0: Jennifer is back, Brad and Jen are friends again, and Paris Hilton is somehow still making headlines. Sound familiar? In the early 2000s,
1: gossip publications were everywhere, powered by tipsters, paparazzi, and publicists. They gave us a window into the lives of the rich and famous, and in the process, helped form a generation's ideas about sex, beauty, race, and power. On this series, I'm going to tell you the story of a decade of American life through the trash we love to consume. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Claire Malone, and this is Just Like Us, the tabloids that Changed America. This series premieres on February 14th on the Ringer Dish Feed. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. To get this new customer offer, just go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile for more details.
0: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24 seven access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. I need sports to staff to clear the room.
2: Stand up and walk. Now,
0: hello and welcome to the Watch. My name
1: is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com, and joining me on the other line, you can find him in the club, hanging from the ceiling, watching his entire life flash before his eyes. It's Andy Greenwald.
2: What a night! What a moment for us old guys, huh?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Finally, Inglewood, man, for putting on quite a show today on the Watch podcast. Andy and I are just going to kind of take a take a step back. And just take a survey of what's going on in culture as shot through the prism of the Super Bowl, which in a lot of ways is under our purview because it's probably the biggest TV night Mm -hmm. of the year in terms of like of viewers. I also do want to just chat a little bit about um, some other shows that were on Sunday night. I I know that we we have some gemstone stuff coming. So Mm -hmm. for people who are wondering, when are we going to talk about gemstones? We do have some gemstones coming. But I just want to say the Sunday night HBO thing right now couldn't be happier with euphoria and gemstones and euphoria is a show that i was a little bit skeptical about in season one but is really just like just completely out of control you never know what you're going to get with it on every night and uh last night's episode where i guess they put it up earlier in the weekend because of the super bowl was just outstanding so we'll chat more about that um down the line but like it's got like it's really kind of like giving it all up for like any logic is out the window so that they can extract the most cinematic virtue out of every shot. So I feel like now people just do things because it's a cool shot, but that's actually like, I'm completely okay with it.
2: (laughs) Who, I I think we should crowdsource who you should bring on as a euphoria, your euphoria buddy.
1: You know what I mean? Like like who, I think
2: I'm going to vote for like a, a TikToker. You know what I mean? I just feel like we need to spice this thing up generationally.
1: Oh, see, the thing is, is I think secretly euphoria is made for older people, though.
2: Like oh, 100%. Music, I'm just yeah. saying, <laughs> I, I'm saying if I'm going to get poochied, shout out to the classic you're not, Simpsons. You're never going
1: to get poochied. You're just going to have to endure 30 seconds of me saying how good that show is. Andy, how are you doing, man? How is your Super Bowl Sunday?
2: Well, I mean, first of all, I love a 90 degree day in February. There's no nothing, no joke to that. I love it. Love, love, love. <laughs> hot summer winter weather here in Los Angeles. I don't know if the Cincinnati Bengals liked it. Um, I don't think that the
1: weather had anything to do with ha- what happened. That. I, 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 don't, I don't There was a, a weather system called Aaron Donald that was moving through the Eastern Front <laughs> <laughs> and he couldn't stop it.
2: I think that's fair. Um, I, yeah, I had a, I, I had a good day. You know, I did, um, I still harbor these, I guess they're fantasies that my, that my children, that my daughters will be like, Papa, what's a what's an audible? <laughs> Teach us play
1: action. You yeah. know what
2: I mean? Like I kind of do have these thoughts that maybe they'll want to watch the game with Why me. Why is because, Sean
1: McVay so dedicated to these run <laughs> concepts, Papa?
2: Like I, I did think that there would be, I still hold out for that. And then what I have instead is an almost five-year-old saying she's going to continue to spin in circles in front of me until the ads start again
1: okay so did you try to make it a family a family event
2: no i've given i've mostly given up on that but but there was a moment when like in the second in the second half when my younger daughter was there with me and i was like come come sit on father's knee <laughs> you know let me let me tell you about the legend of cincinnati joe and why we're rooting for him And she was like is that the tigers I'm like yeah she's like the other one is los angeles yeah then she just had a long long pause and said when do the ads come back on? And I was like, okay, well, this is part of the American experience. Um, and if was you and your sister would rather at her, take the at iPad her Coinbase and
1: Coinbase wallet the entire time,
2: yeah, I do? was like, this is the broken future you're inheriting. I'm so sorry. Uh, so that was my experience. It Was very, very quiet and not exactly uh, paternal. How about yours? Uh,
1: I I had a good time. I went. We went over to some friend's house, and I experimented for the first time. This is the recommendation of the host, who I won't yeah. name and shame here. I still like Kyle a little bit about this off mic and it's a pretty big development. I wonder mm. I like to go to you whenever something big happens in my life. Mm-hmm. So, you know the thing with the Super Bowl is you show up with the best intentions. Always. And even like before you like I even when I was like I was like, "You know what? It's a Sunday. I got to go work tomorrow." Like, so we got to like we got to keep an eye on the beer intake. Mm-hmm. And we have to keep an eye on the snack intake candidly. Like as we get right. older, you can't just like sit there and take down seven-layer dip all day long. You know, it's like, it's not the way it was back in the day. No, maybe a two
2: or three-layer dip.
1: Exactly. Like, More like, modest. Like, like, cut off some layers. But our my friend introduced me to a new thing. Oh boy. Which is, if you're doing a long run of, like, a four or five-hour sit,
2: uh-huh.
1: you go one beer, right. one non-alcoholic beer. What? And so you're, because my thing is, like, when you start drinking beer... It's pretty cool to keep going. Keep, keep having yep, them, right? You know, that's the, one of the things that's weird about beer is it. It just keeps tasting good when you keep <laughs> <It's>, drinking them.
2: <laughs> just, when it touches your lips, it's amazing.
1: Yeah, and uh, and like the faster you drink them, it gets pretty fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is but good stuff. I found out that you know, like I'm a basically at this point like three to three beer guy at the most. Like you know, unless oh, we're yeah. getting we're getting serious out there. And I found out yesterday that like you can create the sensation mm. of continuous nonstop beer drinking throughout a day if you go beer and a. Now I would never do this at a bar. I would never go to a bar and be like, "Sir, can I have a Coors Edge or whatever." But if you're going to be doing like a sitting outside slash like marathon mm. session. I don't know. I mean, Kai was like, "Why not just drink water?" And I was like, "Just, you know." I mean, like, I'm we're trying to innovate. We're trying to we're trying to like push forward with what with what we're doing.
2: First of all, I'm picturing for some reason I'm picturing your liver receiving this data like a failed Wordle entry. You know, like over the course of five hours, it's like green, gray, green, gray, yellow. I I, that's what I'm. That's what that's the intake valve for you. Um, Two, I, I I worry chris because i think you're 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 pulling a dangerous thread because i love to drink a beer but if you take the alcohol part out of it there is a moment where you're like i'm just drinking wheat soda (laughs) (laughs) do do you know what i mean like we could the juice wolves out there will tell you that oh there's so much more to it you know the 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 derivation of the hops and everything
1: the dank haziness yeah
2: but I mean, we all have to be honest with ourselves about what the purpose of it is, you know? Sure. And so I, I, so that does seem...
1: It's to facilitate conversation. Sure. It's to lubricate yeah. the discourse. I mean,
2: I, I, a couple of years ago, someone sent our household a gift of this very, very, like, fancy, bespoke uh, fake wine that was made by, like, uh, sommeliers and, like, drink professionals so that... And I think this is a reasonable... I think this is really great, actually, so that the... So that people who do not drink alcohol could have a complex beverage accompaniment that would bring out things in food, you know? So it, sure. so it's not just like your choices are water or Shirley Temple or something, right? right. Like this is the something, but you know, it, it tasted a little <laughs> bit, I mean, I gotta be honest, it tasted a little bit like kombucha mixed with vinegar. Yeah. You know, and I was like, I don't, I don't want complexity. Actually, at the end of the day, I'm realizing, you know. So, I, wow. But so, did you enjoy the experience more? Is that the? Did it no, work I for just you? feel
1: like I never hit that second quarter lull that you sometimes mm. do if you've been eating <laughs> tortilla chips and drinking beer for like unintentionally for like three hours, and you're like, wow, it's it's five o'clock. Like this is we're we're in the danger zone, man. What I recommend,
2: <laughs> what I recommend instead of tinkering with with God's nectar, what I recommend is. Uh, living in a family of all women, Um, which was, you know, and there are many women who love the Super Bowl. I do not mean to gender this, but in my household, the three other members of the household do not care. And so as the game was getting good was when it was time for me to begin roasting the zucchini. You know what I mean? So, (laughs) and that's not a metaphor. That's just Sunday. So that kept me razor sharp and sober. That said, I did feel super drunk watching this game because I don't understand anything anymore and I can't wait to talk to you about it. Like okay, I was So, so there's dazzled. so many
1: things we could talk about. Like we could talk... We want to, Why don't we start with with something that we both loved yeah. and made us okay. very emotional, which was, um, of course, uh, the Doctor Strange trailer. <laughs> no, it was the Doctor Strange trailer, but it was the halftime show. A lot of people obviously have already commented on the fact that like, holy shit, like I am the target demo now. Like the... Yeah. the as as my father or you know my uncles were used to be like yeah, that's Bruce Springsteen. This is a great moment for me watching this guy play the halftime show. Like we have now aged into the demo of being placated yes, and having our but, nostalgia strings pulled on. Go ahead, but
2: I have particular beef with your ringer colleague Roger, who tweeted something about this. Which by the way, this is very on brand for me. I only see on Instagram now when. So thanks for tweeting. Thanks for Instagramming your tweets, America. So I can still see them. Um, he was basically making that point, yeah. right? But he was like, for people born between 1985 and 1992. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Excuse I mean, me, boss fair, baby. It's not
1: like we didn't have our, you know, we had U2 as well. So I think for, for okay. people Roger's age, I think he's like, you guys have been rocking with Tom Petty and you 2 and even Prince. And and now finally, like my generation yeah. gets their right. classic rock.
2: People who were in first grade when the Chronic came out definitely, definitely <laughs> get to definitely claim felt, the Chronic. Yeah, yeah, that's for them. Um, yeah, it was it was a great halftime show. I mean, I, what was interesting about this was on, like, I guess I'm trying to think of the last one that felt like it had a hundred percent approval rating going in. Like I don't think anyone expected it to be bad, right? Because of, it was it was Dre, it was Snoop. I don't. I didn't. I didn't expect it to be bad, but I
1: don't know about you. I have not seen a lot of Dre recently. Like Dre, like has been kind of like very private. I think he went through divorce. He has had some health issues. I rarely see Eminem, uh, and I'm always surprised when I do see him because he, even though he still has like the same like demeanor, like. I think the, the, his eyebrow and beard color is always going to be like a little bit of a curveball. <laughs> I, I know I, I, I've i seen 50 Cent. Like I've, I've like obviously loved Den of Thieves, you know, like he's doing a lot of stuff with power and the extended power universe. Yeah. I haven't seen him quite in that. Uh, <laughs> upside <ski>? down. Yeah. <laughs> upside down and poured into a tank top. And yeah, Kendrick was amazing in the S1W's dancing that was going on and Mary looked amazing and sounded great. Uh, but I was just like, I was not necessarily sure this was going right. to work. And it was like a hundred times beyond like my wildest expectations. I Here's thought.
2: my criticism. The set was a little odd. The ha- not the not the the Compton parts of like having Tam's burgers, just like inside houses and outside houses. I think there a was odd.
1: a little bit. So there was one observation I heard at the gathering I was at, which is like, right. this is weird because it's daytime still. So the light mm. felt off. And two is except for the Eminem when they did, when they did lose yourself, I feel like they made like the crowd quote unquote be socially distanced. Mm. So there were like people wearing like Yeezy sweatshirts, like kind of dancing and having a good time, right. but like they were very obviously six feet apart.
2: Yes, that's probably true. So the I atmosphere that. was a
1: little bit was a little bit off.
2: But I think that there was something. First of all, the playlist actually was you know immaculate mm-hmm. as one would expect there was something so celebratory about it and i think because as performers i think they understood and this is a, this is a tricky road to go down because sometimes this could lead to self-importance or grandiosity but i think that the performers understood the magnitude of the moment after all of these years of hip hop being absolutely denied a place at the table, let alone its rightful place at the head of the cultural table in conversation, you know, so that a rapper could be on the margins of a halftime performance, but could never host. Um, all these performers seem to understand that and relish in it, and certainly not feel any pressure because of how overdue it was. You know, just know that these they have it. They have an incredible catalog. Um, they had the entire stadium like had their back, and it was really joyous and positive. And then to take it one step further it's not just that these were yes the songs of Roger's elementary school years but also <laughs> you know other formative years for us this may I, I don't know if anyone else's mind went to this place but in watching it i was really thinking about all of the hip hop icons of our youth mm-hmm. who did not survive who have not didn't just die in the moment like biggie or tupac at their peak but more recently Um, like Fife from Tribe Called Quest or or DMX, people who had health struggles or addiction issues. And just their lives were not as long as they ought to have been, you know? And so all of the people in the show, they were survivors and they did it, you know? They did it. And, And I kind of got very emotional thinking about that, even if there's not necessarily a direct line from whether it's Fife or, like, you know, younger people, like like Drakio who's an L.A. rapper who just died impossibly young. You know what I mean? I, that was in my mind while watching it, and it affected my enjoyment of it.
1: That's a really uh, fascinating way of looking at it, Andy. I hadn't really thought about, like, those guys as survivors, and and obviously, like, and Mary as well, like, because that's so much part of her, like, mythology. Mm-hmm. I thought she, like, gave, like, an incredibly, like, uh, emotional performance for the Super Bowl. Like, usually, like, there there's a degree of, like, It's such a logistical nightmare to do a performance, especially anyone that has Mm -hmm. like a dancing component to it. But even so, like she can't not be Mary J. Blige and be communicating like pathos. You know what I mean?
2: She could have been doing, I mean, honestly, she could have done the whole show. Like it could have been her halftime show. She was unreal, right? Like just in a classic Super Bowl belter sense. Um, And then that was a great counterpoint with Kendrick who we miss and need. Right. Like Kendrick is arguably the most vital rapper alive and also a rapper who is exceptional at live performance and, you know, and loves the spotlight, loves the spectacle. Um, That was pretty thrilling to see him do this. Now, of course, like the the last time we heard from Kendrick was on his cousin Baby Keem single where he was just like, this year I'm coming for all of your top five lists. (laughs) And then I'm like looking at the calendar and it's Valentine's Day 2022. But... I think his presence really helped make this not an exercise in nostalgia, which sure. was which was which was vital. <laughs> it, it was, I don't know, Dre just kept smiling like that. Just seemed very very pleasant and welcoming to me. I also, Chris, I, I wonder which of us are going to fully embrace the Dre Day '50s bodywork, which is like, <laughs> which is like you are constantly encapsulating active warfare between the ravages of time, but also working out and just drinking creatine constantly. I know. You know what I mean? Like, I can't tell. He seems just massive, but I don't know in which direction, and I respect it, frankly.
1: Were you hoping that any other members of G-Unit were going to show up?
2: I didn't know if we were going to go in the G-Unit direction, but I was kind of hoping for... If It was a little muddled, but it worked, right? Like, was this a celebration of Compton and... And the West Coast sound well okay, but Eminem's from Detroit, right? And uh, and Fifty is from New York. So how wide were we going to cast this net of people that he had worked with? There was a sign that said like the event was happening this Eve, and I was like, Is Eve coming? <laughs> is Eve going to come out? Can we get a little Philadelphia in here? That was kind of thrilling. I thought she was going to do happen. come
1: out and do let me blow your mind. That was a good one. But
2: exactly, yeah. Or or were we going to get like I don't know, like <laughs> like like corrupt and Lady of Rage and like. Bring them all out. Yeah, right. There's not really room for that in a 15 minute Super Bowl show, but but it was cool, and I just feel like it was a definitive page turning for what these shows are going to be. And let's go. I mean, Jay Z was there in the crowd. Like,
1: he I'm could surprised they didn't cut to him during Dre Day, since he wrote it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or is it next episode that he still Dre or is it next episode that he wrote?
2: He wrote still Dre.
1: Still Dre. Okay, so that's the halftime show. Uh, it's always remarkable to me, like that, the most important game of the year. Like, whatever is happening in the first half, like momentum wise, if you can get into a debate about whether momentum exists, as I have before, it's like then there's an hour long concert. <laughs> and, so weird. And then it's like, yeah, come on out, Joe, bro, and, and just get back to it. But uh, yeah, so that was that. And obviously, the Super Bowl is also like this showcase, both for ads and for trailers. So I want there's two trailers specifically that mm-hmm. I want to dive deep on if we could. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to do stranger you want to do Lord of the Rings first
2: you tell me you you drive this ship
1: let's do strange yeah because um I think that you and I have probably you know sometimes I think that like we need to check our ourselves here because I think what can happen is you and I can get each other rolling in a certain direction mm. and sometimes it's impossible to imagine things course correcting you know what I mean now obviously we both love no way home so it's not like we're like out on Marvel or anything like that. But, you know, I think over the course of a year watching those shows, some of which we liked, some of which we liked quite a bit in the case of Loki, and some of which we thought had a lot of issues, we became a little bit like punch drunk about this whole experiment. And I think for myself personally, one of the things was this feeling like I was part of like a pyramid scheme or something. Like mm-hmm. I was going to keep signing up for another six hours of this or another two hours of that or another, you know, let's walk this back and then wait for something else to happen. And part of, for me, the attraction to the Marvel project is this continuous storytelling and this idea that they are building towards something as they did with the first, Mm -hmm. you know, 10, 15 years of the Marvel movies. And I was kind of feeling like they were really kicking the can down the road a lot. Now, part of that was due to the fact that COVID screwed up the release date for the movie schedule. Obviously, we know that Doctor Strange was supposed to come out before No Way Home initially and now it was coming out afterwards, and I was somewhat skeptical that they were going to be able to retrofit this movie as a right. sequel to No Way Home rather than a prequel to No Way Home. And, you know, I also just have I think a little bit of skepticism about how filmmakers function within the Marvel cinematic universe and whether or not they're allowed to like really express themselves. So it brings me great joy to report that this movie looks fucking sick.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You are all in. I loved it. I Um, love the energy.
1: I just think that it, it to me did not feel it's probably the most hype I've been for a Marvel movie since black Panther It's off of trailer. And to me, it just felt unlike other Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel winky and jokey and, like, let's make sure we get, like, four quadrants of, you know, there's there's a kid running around and, like, I don't know. Like, it just felt like it was very much a Sam Raimi movie. Like, Doctor Strange's face breaking off into little squares, all this yeah. interdimensional monster shit, psychedelic stairways into nothing, uh, weird worlds that you can glimpse. And then also, just in this trailer... I'm like, I'm glad I watched WandaVision. I'm glad I did all this work getting into this movie because it looks like we're going to get the payoff.
2: I think that um, there are many reasons to like comic book storytelling. For me, the two reasons that keep me coming back both to comic books and keep me showing up for the Marvel properties is because at their best, they validate those two passions or two interests of mine. One is the... The at a base level, Marvel comics are about the families you make along the way uh-huh. and uh, the warmth and humor between them, and like that was always the difference between the Marvel and the DC comics. And I and I love that. Whether it was the sort of dysfunctional angst of the X Men or the more overt wisecracking of Spider Man, and the most successful Marvel properties have always understood that, and we don't need to them. Like the good movies have that sense of self awareness and kind of just you know, just familiar warmth that you that you come to love. And the second piece of it is the absolute jaw-dropping what-the-fuckness that mm-hmm. you can do in comics that prior to the last few years you would never dream of doing uh, in a TV show or movie because it's just too silly, goofy, or weird. And I think it was James Gunn who I am increasingly loath to give credit to, but I want to give credit to for what he did with the Guardians of the Galaxy movies because he... Brought that in with the same pleasant wink that the movies had, had, the Marvel had started to, you know, become more comfortable with. But Kurt Russell plays Ego, the Living Planet, right? Like that's ridiculous, but that's comic books. Mm -hmm. Um, And the Doctor Strange character and stories lend themselves to that bleeding edge of just bizarreness better than almost any of the other active properties that Marvel has. Um, the other place for a lot of this, of course, is the Thor stuff and the fact that Taika has the God Butcher as a character in the upcoming sequel. I mean, great, great stuff. That's what we want in in that corner of the universe. All of this is to say, if if this trailer is the movie that they made, I'm thrilled. Because it seems like they leaned totally into the surreal, macabre, face-melting horror yeah. of what magical, dimensional worlds could be. And the, the, re, the times Marvel has screwed up in the past, I think, have been the times when they have, uh, and, I don't, and I'd don't, i be fascinated why this is, when they hesitated, when they tried to have it both ways. Pulled and the punches, number one yeah. example I have of this is Eternals, a movie which, weirdly, I had more time for than a lot of people. But to me, the, the biggest sin of Eternals wasn't the number of characters or its ambition or its vistas or whatever, it was that it wasn't satisfied with being a, a story about squabbling space gods. They also had to have, add villains who were like techno-organic shape-shifting wolves. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why that was there other than to maybe make an action figure or for them to have something to punch before they started trying to actively end the violent birth of a god from the core of planet Earth. Do you know what I mean? Like that yeah. was a choice for no one. And this movie seems to have gone all in on the intensity and the weirdness. And I think that's great. I think that's what it ought to be. You have the budget. You have the baked-in goodwill. Go for it.
1: Yeah, and then there's also the... We're we're watching kind of in real time the the thing that these movies have successfully done or that this project has successfully done, which is not only taking comic book characters uh, mm-hmm. that maybe we felt growing up reading comic books were like ancillary or like not really worthy of like a ton of of scrutiny like like guardians or taking characters that felt like they were in some kind of like um supporting role you know like Mm -hmm. strange and frankly like wanda up and up until her her own show and Mm -hmm. giving them now like this new stage to perform on and the fact is is that elizabeth olsen and benedict cumberbatch are really good you know if if given the right material and like Cumberbatch can probably win an Oscar. You know like mm-hmm. I mean, actually I guess Will Smith will probably win, but Cumberbatch just got nominated for an Oscar. I mean he's a pretty significant actor for him to be leading what will be the sort of the big Marvel movie for this year or like the first big Marvel movie of this year is is pretty pretty amazing to see. I just think that like the the thing that turned me on to this is the score. Like you mentioned like mm. kind of pulling the punches and there is a way you could recut that trailer with like a different more um, Alvin, Sil- like Alan Silvestri, like kind of like more mm-hmm. like generic superhero score, and it would have been like cool, like this seems good. They're flying into one another and like splitting buses in half. But they ripped off the Inception score and chopped it up and kind of made it closer to sounding like an Alien trailer than they did a Marvel trailer. And it really gave me that like, oh, it's going to be dark. This is going to be a weird movie to take your nine year old to, which I think for a forty four year old is is pretty good news.
2: Yeah, there's like Lovecraftian body horror in the streets of New York um, with an Avenger. I also say the two things that I noted uh, in the trailer. One is this is the MCU debut of a great character called America Chavez, who shows up in, in the trailer. She was a member of the Young Avengers in the comics, but also is one of those characters that just so beautifully represents what I like about this current era of comics not just in terms of representation because i think she's the marvel universe in in the comics certainly in the movies first latin x lgbt character Mm -hmm. but the character's powers is that she can punch and kick star-shaped holes in reality that's sick right like that's cool that's that's what the rams did to joe burrow last night (laughs)
1: like
2: that's a I'm tired of characters who can have like metal suits or capes, right? Like punch holes in reality and have fun doing it. That's the spirit we want here. The second thing that people are freaking out about is that Patrick Stewart is clearly in this movie. I was going to ask about this, yeah. His voice is heard uh, with some sort of, when After Strange is...
1: He's at like some kind of uh, tribunal or something. Apparently,
2: yeah, yeah, hauled in front of a time tribunal or something. So is that the
1: Illuminati if if my internet research tells me correctly?
2: (laughs) That's, it does appear to be, that appears to be where we're heading. And for people not in the know about this, this was a creation by the great comic writer, Jonathan Hickman, who we've talked about on the pod before for people who are interested in getting Marvel Unlimited subscriptions or interested in this kind of like absolutely gobsmackingly huge storytelling that the Marvel has attempted in the last few years. It's pretty much what Hickman has done in the last few years. Uh-huh. His, this stemmed from his, um, literally universe ending and rebuilding run on Avengers. Um, he, there, he created a, a concept called the Illuminati, which is basically that the Marvel Universe is being secretly, uh, if not run, but certainly managed by a secret cabal of the most powerful characters, uh, which include um, Professor Xavier from the X-Men, who mm-hmm. Patrick Stewart famously plays. Other, other members of it are Reed Richards, who... You are still looking for. You're running back that episode of WandaVision, like the Zapruder film, trying just, to find just, evidence just, of him in it.
1: Let's just get Krasinski. Come on, man. Like what are we um, doing? He
2: he is a member of the Illuminati. The Submariner is a member of the Illuminati. I believe that character has been cast for some. I forget which movie he was going to show up in. Anyway, my guess is this will be a other dimensional mm-hmm. version. I th- so, there's
1: there are some wild rumors. If you if you dig around a little bit online yeah. about who is going to be in this movie. And I don't know whether they would, if it's anything like what the sort of the, like um, my friend who knows somebody who knows somebody says that this person was on set. If it's like that, it's going to be a real uh, all in moment for Marvel because it, it it's going to take some of the ideas of the multiverse that they've been playing around with in No Way Home and kind of being like, it's all on the table and it might feel cheap or it might feel like the coolest thing you've ever seen. I really don't know how it's going to play out.
2: This is, I feel like this is one of those things that in hindsight looks genius, but in the moment was probably a lot messier, but that Marvel pivoting, pivoted to the multiverse at the same moment that they have Disney absorbed Fox, which allowed everyone, it appears it's going to allow everyone to have everything both ways mm-hmm. in, you know, in that, yes, we're going to see all of our favorite uh, pre pre-merger X-Men actors back, but no, that doesn't lock us into keeping them. You know, we can, Patrick Stewart can play Professor X in this. We'll introduce a new one soon. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, but it matters. And I think I, I, I almost come back, run this tape back, Kaya, in six months when I'm super burnt out on, on Hugh Jackman <laughs> winking in every other Marvel movie. But for now, it's, that seems fun. It was okay. fun. And, 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 it was, maybe this is as good a segue as any. Um, although I think it's probably relevant to the Lord of the Rings show as well. There were a few, there were, a, it it was one of the many signs last night of a massively shifting culture that I did not feel the preponderance of tent poles. right? Like, there was a Jurassic Park ad, um, there was this, there was Lord of the Rings, but as recently as a few years ago, right, there were, like, six to seven major theatrical releases debuting their first looks at the Super Bowl, Mm -hmm. along with commercials for things that I understood, like cars (laughs) and tortilla chips, like... I got it. I wasn't in the multiverse of madness yet, like I am now. Do you okay, want to get it off your a- chest?
1: Do you want to get the No, this? no,
2: no, no. We should cover the, you know, we should cover the, the bigs.
1: Okay. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. If you've had it with your overpriced wireless plan with its insanely high monthly bill and unexpected overages, then listen to this. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Wow, right? To get this new customer offer, just go to mintmobile.com watch. That's mintmobile.com watch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile for more details.
0: This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes. Enter the Kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.
1: So one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about because we are moving into... Uh, it, we've been in it, but we, like I think we're moving into a much more defined era of franchise TV, of event TV, and it's the event that we kind of understand as you know, Independence Day is coming out or something. And like, we're, you know, when you and I were growing up, like there would just be magazine covers and stories about the buildup to these movies. And then the first weekend, it would be lines down the block and the success of these movies would be covered as if they were kind of like these big achievements that, you know, this this hit movie was what we thought it was going to be. It's Batman. Yeah. And, for, you know, that's- Just for continu- listener's
2: sake, this was the summer between Rogers' third grade and fourth grade. That's here, right. I think, yeah. And
1: I think that- um We've experienced that in both uh, kind of micro ways with the end of, say, Breaking Bad or something like that, but also in macro ways or Mm -hmm. or large scale ways with Game of Thrones. And especially once Game of Thrones became the biggest thing on television and, you know, conventions and anticipation for these episodes and after shows and everything like that, like that became an event. Uh, I was wondering how this was going to continue, A, when there was so much of it, and B... Um, when stuff like Wheel of Time, mm-hmm. while obviously successful, felt like it kind of like arrived, was inhaled by the people who were anticipating it and loved it, mm-hmm. and was very mm-hmm. like basically unremarked upon outside of like of a small subculture. And I was like, is this stuff all gonna be released into a world where it's like all you have to do is satisfy the subculture? It doesn't need to be a crossover hit, it doesn't need to be a Halloween mm-hmm. costume, it doesn't mm-hmm. need to be this big deal. So that, and I was especially thinking about this with uh, Lord of the Rings, colon Rings of Power, a.k.a. Elf on the motherfucking shelf because there are a lot of elves in this show. Um, I was wondering about this because, A, they, they dropped the bag for this. B, this feels like an old school rollout. So they had a teaser, I think, a little while back, or maybe it was just like the title reveal. Mm-hmm. Then there was like a 25 character posters were like dropped on social media. And then finally and you know they've started doing pieces like there was Vanity Fair um like there there's been some obviously like a ramp up of promotion for it and then we get the Super Bowl trailer. And so I'm curious whether or not you feel like this feels different than Witcher or Wheel yes. of Time well, or whatever.
2: Well, a couple things. One, I don't think we've ever seen Amazon do this before. Amazon one of if not the richest company in the world. Um market penetration into all markets everywhere. If they want to flip a switch and put something in front of us, no company has the ability to do that like Mm -hmm. Amazon. And And I mean that literally because they could ship a package to our doors if they wanted to. They could send every citizen with a mailing address a copy of the Silmarillion or whatever that book is called. And it would not even dent Jeff Bezos' catering budget for his spaceship. You know what I mean? Like, it's not an issue. Up to now, the prime video rollout, well, you know, has cost them billions of dollars and garnered a a lot of success. Mm -hmm. Um, Both whether it's critically or they've won Emmys or, you know, they've had Oscar-winning movies, blah, blah, blah. It has not felt as if it has the full force of the the globe's most dominant corporation behind it, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if everyone agrees with me, but but I, I, de- that's the I definitely feeling.
1: think it's going to be an, it's. A, I, if we don't feel it now, it's going to feel that way in September when they have football and Lord of the Rings.
2: That was what I was going to say. That 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 other commercial I think is is part and parcel of this. The commercial for football during football, saying like we have that now, and you're yeah. going to be watching it with us. It was a flex. That felt like the flex of the Incredible Hulk, like at, coming out of cryosleep or whatever. I know I've just mixed his origin story with <laughs> Captain America, but who's going to stop me? Um,
1: it's your podcast; you can do which one. It
2: was. <laughs> I noticed. You, are you disassociating?
1: <laughs> that was um, Andy, who said that Hulk had cryosleep. But yeah,
2: yeah, that was that was not Chris. Um, I uh, it, it was a little bit. Staggering, honestly. So we will see the results from that. I also think that this was the one for them to go all in on. I mean, it's a different strategy. Our podcast last Monday was all about Reacher, which is a huge success Mm -hmm. for them, with exactly the demographic they wanted it to be a success with. Like that was a that was them choosing the target and hitting it, which is something they've done repeatedly. I think the Jack Ryan show, which we watched the first one of and then continues to exist. And People I was the,
1: the first season of that. I just didn't see the, yeah. the second season. Yeah,
2: I don't even mean to to, to just you know casually know. just take a shot at it. I just mean that it, they they seem to have a smart and maybe this is also why they always have the right number of whatevers in their factories at any given time. They seem to have a pretty good sense of setting the correct targets and then hitting them, whether they are more modest or more grand than when we imagine them to be. They have the algorithms that we don't have. Rings is everything, not just for the money that they spent on it, but because this is one of those rare legacy franchises that a lot of people care a lot about so for me seeing this trailer as someone who really doesn't care that much about it i have not read the books i thought that it seemed right it seemed appropriate like it looked it looked very beautiful you know it it, it hit the right notes in that what it did what it what it seemed to want to do was remind us that we get to go back right it was it was like third season lost in that and then it was like this isn't don't worry about all these pilots that you've seen and all these different kind of variants of this type of world or story you've seen before this is the one that you all saw win an oscar 20 years ago you know uh-huh. this and you're going to be comfortable you're going to be comfortable here and it's going to be it's going to look as good as the movies i mean it was extremely expensive as far as trailers go now since that trailer aired there were two things that i was struck by one Highly recommend people check out um, Ringer colleague Joanna Robinson's piece that was up that was sort of explaining who our POV characters are yeah. in the show. Um, Harfoots, I believe is the term, which is a old Middle Earth word for hairyfoot. Yeah. Which is to say that these are the ancestors of the Hobbits. Um, I have to say, Joanna's piece made me care more about the Tolkien project than 20 years of Casually having seen the movies. Right. Fascinating about World War II and Tolkien's own life and his biography. All information available to me that I never engaged with. So it also made me think that, again, we don't know these these showrunners are new. They don't have a lot of track record. But they seem to have chosen wisely in terms of making the protagonist the thing that makes this special. Which Yeah, it's J.D. Payne and Patrick
1: McKay and then... With some help from Brian Cogman, who obviously had a big part mm-hmm. in Game of Thrones, and it's directed by J.A. Benoya.
2: But just kind of seemingly understanding that um, the hobbits are sweet-natured, childlike avatars for normal people who aren't elves or whatever, and that that's still the right way to go. Okay, all of this said, Chris, mm-hmm. I-, I don't know what the other reaction has been to this trailer, but um, I watched it again today on on YouTube and on the official Prime Video Um, YouTube feed. It's already, you know, it's over 10 million views. The comments, Chris, the comments are what I imagine to be fans from all over the world writing, barraging, raining down only one comment in their native language, which is dozens of languages. And that comment is a quote from Tolkien from Return of the King, which is, the shadow that bred them can only mock. It cannot make real things of their own. So the fan community, at least as evidenced by the troll, which I do not think is a Tolkien cre- creation, seems to be seems to have their knives out for this show.
1: What is that quote in relation to? What does that mean?
2: It, to me, it, I, I, I could be wrong. I do not speak Portuguese <laughs> or Russian. I mean, I'm looking at all these different languages. It's wild. It seems to be that this is a this is a pale shadow right that this is somehow because it's not peter jackson or it's not i'm not sure what their point of view is what who, okay. who they are championing because they're going maybe is, these
1: guys because these guys are going off book to some extent
2: potentially so yeah i'm not really sure but that seems that seems interesting you know and and directly runs against what you had said about wheel of time which is that that series seems designed to have pleased the robert jordan fans and it seems to have succeeded And
1: there, I, I know that there's some like some fans of those books are like this is not the one and some fans are like this is pretty cool this is what I've been waiting to see yep. these, these things executed uh, I thought that this looked I, I don't even really feel like it's there's enough footage to like weigh in on I thought it was very action heavy obviously there are some hints that maybe characters that we have associated with the trilogy will make some kind of either a shadow of themselves will mm-hmm. appear or like actually like Elrond is in this show or whatever But I have been giving some thought because I recently did a movie draft with Sean about the year uh, Return of the King one Mm -hmm. and um, been giving a lot of thought about those movies and why those movies became as huge as they were aside from the fact that like people have been waiting decades to see them rendered on screen and Peter Jackson did such a great job. The thing that I think is really important is that those movies were a quest like the story of that movie had an engine. And that it was like, we got to get this ring and put it in that volcano. You know, like we got to get, there is a job to do. And all this stuff that's happening on the sides is ultimately in service of that. Not only that story, Mm -hmm. but is because of what's happening. You know, like the urgency of it, the rise of these armies, the defense of these castles and these like lands. Like it's all coming because Sauron is rising and there is like an unseen hero an unknown hero trying to like stop stop him from taking over by throwing this ring in in mm-hmm. in, in the the lava. I'm not like trying to be concerned troll about this show, but I wonder whether or not this show will have anything close to that engine. Like, you know, because that is honestly, if you go and just go up to a person on the street and you're just like, "Do you want to see a movie about hobbits and elves or whatever?" They might be like, "Whatever." But if you're like, "It's about this this little guy who nobody believes in." Who takes on the biggest responsibility in the world and saves it? And he has to get this ring to this dark evil place and throw this ring in the in the fire. Like that's like understandable. Like I'm like, does he do it? What happens along the way? You know, and I, so it's almost weirdly like I guess it is TV brain versus movie brain. Movie brain would be we got to give this guy a, a reason to do what he's doing. He's got there's got to be a reason why all these armies are raised and fight and all this stuff. TV brain is how long can we? Have How long can we live in this world? What all, Who are all the characters we can bring in? What are all the storylines we can have separate? And is there going to be a governing thing that pushes the story forward?
2: Well, I, I love the question you're asking. And it fits in directly with something that I've been trying to puzzle through and think about even as recently as, as this morning. TV has an engine problem. Hmm. We have blurred the lines between the storytelling mediums to such a degree that... It has changed things, I don't know if irrevocably, but profoundly. And it's changed both our expectations for what we want out of TV shows. It's changed our ability to watch TV shows. And it's definitely changed the industry in terms of what it greenlights and what it puts on the TV to begin with. And that idea that you're talking about, that in movies you need to have the engine because you have to get there, you know, that's, that's a movie thing because the movie ends. TV has become eventized like movies. Mm -hmm. Um, And now TV has become movies so that, you know, you have these massive franchise shows like the Marvel shows, for example, that are just, you know, eight episodes of this one thing that lead into the next thing. But it's also, you know, whether it's um, True Detective or or Pretty Little Liars or whatever— Pretty Little Lies. not what was the one? Big Little Lies.
1: Big Little Lies, but even like the Night of the Outsider, like yeah, I mean, there, we could go on and on and, about.
2: And increasingly, the shows that we that we're covering, whether it's um, you know the rip from the headline shows, which have a beginning, middle, and the end, like Pam and Tommy, or the upcoming shows about Uber or Tiger King, or um, you, you pick them.
1: Elizabeth Holmes, um, yeah,
2: the Elizabeth the Theranos one, the dropout. Um, I think that if everyone was being honest. Amazon would love to have what you're talking about, which is a, let's really settle in and hang out now. We've mm-hmm. bought this world, so let's just enjoy it. But I don't think either the industry or the audience is in a place where they are wired to accept it. I, I was going to say, and this is wasn't something that I'd prepared for today, but I was going to ask you at some point in the podcast a question, like Mad Men doesn't get greenlit today. I, I don't know how Mad Men gets greenlit. Not just because it didn't have any stars, it made stars in this sort of old-fashioned, traditional TV way. It fundamentally was like, this is a great piece of writing about an interesting era, and we're just going to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. There, And maybe, you know, I don't know whether it was notes or just a good sense that had Matthew, that Matthew Weiner put in the, he's not really who he says he is, twist. You know, which which maybe gave it a little bit of a goosing, but otherwise... I, I just don't see that framework. That doesn't work for either the streamers' business models anymore, or or it doesn't work for the way audiences watch things. I'll take it a step further. I think Game of Thrones is kind of a hard sell as we experienced it, which was what. Well, seven I was going to ask you
1: seasons. Th- that's so interesting you say that because I was thinking about GOT two, and I was thinking about how I wonder whether or not the new show will actually be chasing its own dragon tail to some extent of, Mm -hmm. we need to have something that this is all building towards immediately. That's not really what it felt like in the beginning of Game of Thrones. It was way more about palace intrigue and who was going to take over ruling this land. But it wasn't like the night, you you know, like the the winter is coming immediately. I mean, there was stuff in there that was like, oh, on the horizon, you should keep your eye on this fucking ice guy. Like he's coming. But- you know, we were, for the most part, us, it was like, yeah. it was politics. You know, it was just but like it, a pol- but
2: It was selling us tickets for a ride without a definitive conclusion, right? It was like, we're going to introduce you to someone, this young blonde woman and her brother who are involved with these like horse dudes. And you're just going to have to trust us right. that it's going to intersect or it's going to matter at some point, And you're going to have to trust us. And that trust both between audience and creator, between streaming service or network and creator all of that just feels like it's in a very, very different place and I think it's probably why we, I don't think we overrate Succession. We love Succession but it feels incredibly rare not just because of the quality of its writing but because it kind of snuck in under the gun and yes, there is that one question who's going to take over but it's not that interested in that, you know, and it kind of never was. It was just about what was happening in the moment before someone else takes over mm-hmm. and then away and away we go and I, I I don't know. I, I, st- I still feel like industry-wise there's a zag coming where it's just like we're just going to be a TV show and, and maybe people will get excited about it. I think that's
1: it. happening, but it's the comedies that do that.
2: The comedies do that, absolutely. But like Euphoria, which as everyone who's listening this far knows I don't watch, I guess it operates in a genre where it has its own set of stakes.
1: I, I think there's a world in which like Euphoria is just like completely cracked out 90210. You know, and it's it's just like a little bit more of a traditional high school drama with a little bit more drugs and a little bit better music and yada yada. What they've done with it this season is it feels so different to me. And I think a lot of it is because it just doesn't seem to be playing by a lot of the same rules. Mm. But there's no central question it's trying to answer. You know, you're obviously like personally, like I'm very invested in like the relationship between the Zendaya character and her sponsor like in the like the addiction and recovery stuff that they deal with which they also touched on in the specials that they did in between the two seasons but euphoria like isn't really trying to answer a question but what it does do is create five or six moments worth talking about after the episode that it only it, it's very much aware right. of like i think fueling a conversation around itself whereas like on a on a week-to-week level, like a, you might say like Mad Men's just the best written show I've ever seen and yada yada, but like, it winds up being like there are long stretches of Mad Men that kind of melt away, and then there will be three episodes per year that I remember very clearly.
2: I think that what we're also seeing is a moment where the industry is shifting and it's kind of a game of chicken between the various service providers. And what I mean specifically is take a show like Halt and Catch Fire, which we covered lightly. I wrote about it for Grantland. Is wonderful. It didn't. It started as promising and mm-hmm. turned into something truly special. I think, and it did nothing ratings wise. And AMC didn't really know what to do with it. And they they saw it through, which they deserve credit a lot of credit for. It then migrates to Netflix, and I don't think it's anecdotal. I think there's probably hard evidence to say that the show's fan base has exponentially increased, for sure, and its stature in the conversation and in the memories and as a reference has gone way, way, way up, which is wonderful for everybody involved and well-deserved. But what's interesting to me about it is that no one wants to make it. They just want to benefit from it. Meaning, for AMC to take a flyer on a show like that now with no stars and a slow burn and no promise of where you're going, I don't think that makes financial sense for them. I mean, that's why the AMC ad last night is we're going to end Better Call Saul and then please watch Interview with a Vampire and there's more Walking Dead coming. Mm -hmm. Netflix, as we know from all the conversations we've been having from reading the industry tea leaves or seeing the state of something like Ozark doesn't that's not their business model say here take a chance you crazy kids and make a show for a while what they want is to scoop up the complete statement right and then say everyone whoever wants to watch this thing that stuck the landing Feel free we've to got watch it in our times. museum yeah right we've right. got it but yeah. we're not going to fund it so we are at this weird moment and maybe things are shift maybe things will shift where the old fashioned networks that did this stuff they don't want to do it anymore because it doesn't help them especially if it's going to live somewhere else forever. Um, so are we missing those those types of shows? And maybe Lord of the Rings on Amazon isn't the the number one best example or best launching pad for this conversation because there was never going to be a version of Lord of the Rings that wasn't like ultimately the path to Sauron begins here. You yes, know, that, and that's, that's just the, the I guess that's of the, the
1: that's the thing is that like this show. In, in some ways, I think ends with the beginning of mm-hmm. the movies, right? Like it, it it takes you up. Maybe that's thousands of years. I don't even know. But like, I think that some of the people in this show are in that battle where Sauron gets his finger cut off or, or his hand cut off. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I thought it was. I, I, it's it, it'll be a really interesting experience watching the the build up to this is really what I wanted to say. I'm not going to judge mm-hmm. it on a minute long trailer no. where nobody really talks. I I do think. The idea of selling shows these days and how do you get the public to notice something and get invested in something. I'll be fascinated to see what the release strategy is around Rings of Power. Like, are they going to do one a week? Are they going to do three and then one, one, one? Like, how many are there? How how soon will the second season come out after the first season? Um, a lot of stuff like that is like, I think it could be game changing in a lot of ways. Because if it pays off, I think you're going to see more and more stuff like it.
2: Yeah. And I think it's worth noting that like in the press release that I think we probably both of us got this today, it's inundated with like character posters for people we've never heard of. So much of the language was how many countries this is launching in on the same day and date. Mm -hmm. It's really like they, they spent years building the infrastructure for the juggernaut. And this is when they're flipping the switch. This is the goal. And so we, you know, we, maybe I should learn all those languages that are on the YouTube comments (laughs) because without that, I don't know if it'll be, we'll even be Possible for us to talk about plausibly talk about the show's success or failure because it is absolutely not just about us.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, we just spent quite a long time talking about one minute of it, so obviously it's doing something right. I'll, I'll just say, like, I, I think Nope looks dope. <laughs> so that's like my Nope looks thing. so
2: dope. Yeah. That was a great trailer. <laughs> I mean, so so it's Kiki Palmer, Daniel Kaluuya, and Stephen young like, yeah, doing
1: anything aliens yeah. i think i don't know can't wait
2: like, can't wait um, it looked awesome i love also a uh, big fan of wind dancers super yeah. creepy
1: so thursday on thursday show andy i think we're going to talk a little bit about severance right the oh the sure yeah ben I show it. which i believe debuts if not thursday on friday so we'll talk a little bit about severance there's some other stuff to talk about it's so great to see you
2: wait are we not going to talk about how nothing makes sense anymore and the world you, is crumbling around cryptocurrency do you want to get, it off, your chest?
1: Do you get it off your I, chest
2: What I want to say is not so much what the fuck is a Bitcoin. I don't understand any of this. What I wanted to talk about, and maybe this is just a pivot for the rest of the year as I increasingly become old man yelling at cloud. But when we talked last week, we were like, it's interesting because no one knows what's successful anymore. And we're starting to see that in the way things are presented to us and marketed to us. Um, I feel that more keenly than ever, because remember when celebrity like Brad Pitt would do an ad for coffee in Japan. Mm -hmm. Because in America, he was Brad fucking Pitt. And he doesn't need to sell your Nespresso machine or whatever, right? I want all of the resources being poured into turning popular podcasts into middling television shows. Turn your narrative engines onto the story of Morgan Freeman getting on a Turkish Airlines plane and narrating a commercial. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating to me. Everybody is freaking out. Nobody knows what's popular, what matters. And the flop sweat is so evident that it's making me just uncomfortable about you the state that of the world. this is like
1: residual 90s selling out stuff for you or not? Like- no,
2: I, I, I literally, like, there was the commercial last night where it's like, oh, okay, good job, Mattel. You bought a Super Bowl commercial for Barbie, a popular brand. Oh, Anna Kendrick is in it. Okay, Weird Pivot would love to know the pitch delivered to her management team, but I get it. I'm sorry, He Man and the Masters of the Universe are here too. <laughs> this is an ad for TurboTax? Like the world is mescaline Madlibs right now, I know to a degree that I it just I don't understand. Like there was another, maybe that wasn't TurboTax was like someone turned into Jason Sudeikis for a second.
1: Yeah, did you see the Budweiser one that Chloe's out directed? Yes. Yeah, where it's just like this horse is dead. No, nope, yeah. it's up. It's good. The, the, the horse is up
2: again. I, like I,
1: Chloe, I, Chloe the, knows better than anyone. It's it's like what's the what's the stats on horses coming back from bad leg breaks?
2: <laughs> I mean, don't don't ask Michael Mann and David Milch, you know what I mean, or the previous regime at HBO. They have no knowledge of it. Yeah, the reason the Larry David commercial was good, even though it was for something that is probably evil, I'm not sure, was that it was a funny commercial with Larry David. Yeah. like that. Okay, I get that. I get that. But I I just feel like you know, we get on this podcast and we're like, nobody goes to the movies anymore. So does anybody like stuff? What are we going to talk about? And we're pretty chill about it. I feel like inside the boardrooms and like Madison Avenue and the advertising agencies, it is full on like end times. Like the alarm is going and people are screaming and like, what are we doing? Here's the thing. What is, is this for?
1: When when Damon does a crypto commercial, yep. I just imagine that call to his agent being like, we'd love for Matt. To do And not just like a one shot, like he has to deliver a monologue while walking through multiple sets. And they're like, we'd love for Matt Damon to be the face of of this ad campaign we're going to do. It's going to be a pretty extensive commitment. You know, like it'll probably be like X amount of days and here's all the stuff he's going to need to be doing. What do you think? And his guy is like, man... What's the fucking number I can give these people that would just like <laughs> singe yes. their eyebrows? And he's like, he gives them the number, and they're like, absolutely. Like that is, I I guess that yes. has to be what happens, right? Well, McConaughey too. Like, well, he's been doing this though. I know, but it it, it is.
2: I, I I don't know. I just remember a few years ago. Um, remember remember a Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and once you have kids, a couple of years ago it could mean three or it could mean eleven. Right. as I've learned recently. So I apologize. But there was the Google commercial where um, it's just the Google search bar with questions being typed and you realize this is someone's entire life, you know, and mm-hmm. it's it's beautifully done and it's a, it's super manipulative, but you have to appreciate the craft and the simplicity of it. And also I understood end to end what it was selling. You know, it was selling both the product, but also the larger company and how it can be a it can be a metronome for our existence and it's a part of our lives and relaxed they are not harvesting our data and selling it to like off offshore pirates or whatever, right? Like they, they, it's real.
1: I hate those offshore pirates with my data. I I, I, I don't know any, how any of this works. I don't know anymore, but I'm supposed to live in this world? Do you, do you feel like talking about it makes you feel better or worse?
2: It makes me feel worse. Well, all I was going to say was, I just feel like the Super Bowl in all aspects is just like a stress test right, for a culture. Yes. And we fucking failed the test, is all I'm saying. <laughs> like, like, do you remember when there's like a month and a half where they're like, there's a weird flu and everyone's like, ha ha. And then six weeks later, you couldn't have toilet paper anymore? Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel about the valuation of everything. Everything. Whether it is an being an Oscar winning actor, right? Or Owning a company that makes a product. Like, right. I, I don't understand what any of this is anymore. And I just think we're headed to the multiverse of madness. It makes I, me nervous.
1: I would. Re- There's nobody I'd rather be on this trip <laughs> with than you. Uh, thanks to Kai McMullen for producing <laughs> us. We'll be back that, on Thursday.
2: <laughs> I keep my eye out for pirates.
1: <laughs> Andy, just keep your data to yourself, man. Don't let those pirates get it. They're just going <laughs> to sell it to crypto. Then the crypto guys, you don't know what they're going to do with it.
2: But Chris, what is crypto? You're gonna what, have is it, Matt money? Damon
1: juggling your social security number and your checking account number on on a Super Bowl commercial.
2: But it's money. You can kind of end the show. I don't even know.
1: <laughs> Bye, guys.
0: This episode is brought to you by State Farm.